The following is a message by Dr. W. Robert Godfrey from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. As we have sung from Psalm 25, as to the righteous not being ashamed, and as we have sung of the plea for sins of youth not to be remembered, we turn in the Word of God to Paul's second letter to Timothy, in which Paul addresses Timothy's shame and perhaps the sins of his youth. Um, and uh, we'll read Second uh, Timothy, chap- beginning at chapter 1, verse 1, reading down through chapter 2, verse 10. If you think that's a long reading, you should develop a greater interest in the Word of God. <laughs> Second Timothy chapter 1 at verse 1. Let us hear God's own word. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. When he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. 
No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So far the reading of God's word. Paul sets out in this letter from prison uh, to encourage Timothy. Uh, The subtext of this letter seems to be that Timothy is discouraged. Paul has to remind him in verse 6 of chapter 1 to fan into flame the gift of God. It seems to have burned low. And um, I thought at the beginning of this semester there might be someone here a little bit discouraged. Maybe I should have saved this text for the end of the semester when there will be more of you discouraged. But (laughs) here we are in the middle of the year and... uh, Maybe you look forward to a difficult semester. Uh, Maybe you've come through a difficult January. Uh, Maybe there are uh, struggles in your life completely unrelated to seminary studies. And uh, Paul speaks to us as well as he spoke to Timothy to encourage us in the midst of the difficulty of living out our calling as Christians. And uh, Paul wants to build us up in faith and in hope and in confidence. And he knows that it is not always easy to be living out the holy calling to which we have been called, whatever that calling is. And so Paul here addresses his, uh, his son, as he calls him, uh, Timothy, a son in the faith, uh, Timothy in whom he has a great deal of confidence, and yet Timothy who seems uh, concerned And Paul wants to encourage him, first of all, by addressing that concern, by speaking to that concern. And uh, the concern seems to revolve around the fact that Timothy seems somewhat ashamed of Paul and of his suffering. This is a theme that Paul returns to over and over again in this first chapter and a half of the letter. Paul's a prisoner, Paul's suffering, Paul's in difficulty. Paul's not a success. Is that maybe part of what's going on in Timothy's mind? If Timothy, if Paul really is an apostle, if he's the one that Jesus so called to be his servant that he's the very last apostle, that Paul was uh, visited with this glorious revelation of Christ from heaven, if Paul really is the bearer of this wonderful gospel of life, Why is Paul suffering so seriously, so distressingly, um, probably terminally? And it may well be that this is what's behind Timothy's discouragement. Uh, Shouldn't Paul be doing better? As I like to say in the ancient church class, Paul was a fairly lousy church planner one of the slowest points of growth in the ancient church for the church was in Greece. 
little struggling churches, a long time that the Apostle Paul had begun. And now he's in prison. And uh, Timothy knew what that might well mean in terms of Paul being executed. And Timothy seems cast down. And Paul writes to him to say, don't be ashamed of my suffering. Don't be ashamed of this situation. Don't let your concern for me lead to bad reactions. Don't be like all those people in Asia Minor who deserted me, deserted the gospel. That's what happens sometimes. Apostasy is sometimes a result of being discouraged that God isn't fulfilling his mission on our timetable or according to our wisdom. Phygelus and Hermogenes apparently made shipwreck of the faith. Things weren't going as well as they thought it ought to go. They thought they had signed on for success. And they became ashamed of Paul and of his message. And they deserted the gospel. Timothy hasn't deserted the gospel, but he's been kind of overwhelmed with fear, it appears. A spirit of timidity, as the old translation put it. Kind of immobilized. And Paul is writing to him then, don't don't let that happen to you. Don't let discouragement set into you. And, of course, he's saying that to us. Rather, we're called to constancy. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. Paul, in all sorts of ways, is speaking to his concern about Timothy and Timothy's feelings, and above all else, he wants to renew Timothy in a sense of confidence, the confidence that still animates Paul and the confidence that needs to animate us because Paul is saying, don't focus on the suffering that I am undergoing, but focus on the message I have been preaching, which is a message of life. It may appear appear that my message is leading only to suffering and maybe death. But in point of fact, my message is about life. Paul, as he so often does in his letters, introduces that theme, the solution to the problem right at the beginning. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came that we might have life. And that's what Paul is preaching, the promise of life in Christ Jesus. That's what we're here to study. That's what we're here to know. That's what we're here to prepare to carry out into a dark and dead world, a promise of life. And Paul could give voice to that promise of life in such uh, wonderfully powerful ways, and we see that in verse 10, um, where he speaks of the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's an amazing claim, isn't it? Christ has abolished death. Christ has abolished death. Nothing could be more self-evidently untrue. Right? 
exactly the same percentage of the population is dying today as died in Paul's day. 100%, given enough time. So what is, what is Paul saying here? Well, Paul is saying that the experience of this visible world is not the real truth. Whether Paul lives or dies, whether he stays in prison or dies in prison, the truth is that Jesus Christ has abolished death for Paul, for Timothy, and for everyone who is in Christ Jesus. Our Lord himself promised that, didn't he? Those who believe in me, though they die, yet shall they live, and he who lives and believes in me shall never die. That's not a denial that the body suffers or that the body dies, but that the death of the body is relatively inconsequential in relation to the promise of eternal life that is ours in Christ Jesus. So he has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That's what's promised us. And that's the message that we bear as the preachers and teachers of the truth of Jesus Christ. And Paul wants to underscore that with Timothy. He said that is the truth. That that confidence in the life that we have in Jesus Christ comes from the confidence we have in the truth of his revelation. Stick to that pattern of sound words. Guard the deposit that's been given to you. Be a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. For the word of God is not bound. That has to be the confidence that undergirds us in every moment of discouragement. We have the word of truth that brings life. And that's the privilege that is ours. That's the calling that is ours. And that's why Paul, as he discusses his concern and discusses his confidence, uh, interweaves in that also the theme of calling. He is called. Paul is called. That's part of his confidence to be an apostle, to be a preacher, to be a teacher. And he's reminding Timothy that he's called to be a preacher and a teacher. We have a holy calling, Paul says. Whatever the Lord is calling us to, it is a holy calling before the Lord. It is a calling that should undergird us and give us confidence in those days of struggle and difficulty. And it's a calling with power. Isn't that fascinating the way Paul puts that in verse 8 of chapter 1? Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Uh, Timothy and others seem to have been thinking that if the power of God is really with us, then there won't be suffering. If if God is, is powerfully with us, then surely he will deliver us from suffering. But Paul is saying here, the power of God is made manifest in our suffering, through our suffering for the gospel. So if you're suffering, don't think God has forgotten you. 
think that God is operating in his standard way. That first comes suffering and then glory. That was the pattern of our Lord's life. And that's the pattern we're called to. Just in case Timothy or we missed it, Paul makes it explicit. Chapter 2, verse 3. Share in suffering as good soldiers of Christ Jesus. Soldiers often have to go through suffering to get to the victory, to accomplish their purpose. And that's the point that Paul is making here to all of us as Christians. It is through suffering for the faith, through enduring the harassment of the world, the persecution of the world, the ridicule of the world, and sometimes even the ridicule of fellow Christians who will tell you there's a better and more successful way to do things. But Paul says it's in embracing the suffering that comes inevitably with being a faithful servant of Jesus Christ that God is accomplishing his work. Paul is suffering that the message of the gospel may go out and the elect may be gathered and salvation may be brought to many. And God's doing that according to his own timetable. This was a plan God's had for a long time, Paul says. Verse 9 of chapter 1. God has saved us and called us to a holy calling because of his own purpose and grace which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. It's not surprising to God that we're sitting here this morning and thinking about his word and being part of a holy calling to which we're called. He planned it before ages began. He's fulfilled it in the appearing of Jesus Christ and is continuing to fulfill it until that day when Christ appears again in glory at last to take away all suffering, when all of the elect, through the preaching of the gospel, have been gathered together. And see, that's what we're called to. That's what we're called to. No time to be discouraged. No time to be timid. We're engaged in a glorious enterprise that will bring into the lives of people life and immortality and as Paul says eternal glory and so as Paul wrote elsewhere what does the present momentary affliction matter when compared with that eternal weight of glory that will be revealed well it matters a lot if we're the ones suffering it's not always easy But Paul says to us today, don't let it get you down. Remember the life that Christ has brought to you and remember the holy calling to which you are called that in the midst of suffering, you will be able to hold up the light of the gospel to others and see that light by the power of the Holy Spirit bring life to God's elect. May God fill us all with that confidence. Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we do come to you as a people prone to various forms of discouragement, 
And we pray, O oh Lord, that as we reflect on these words and these promises, as we reflect on the confidence of the Apostle Paul in his calling, that you will fill us with confidence and that you will remind us that your word is not bound but goes forth in this world according to your good purposes and will produce the harvest that you intend. Fill us, O Lord, with hope in believing and with confidence in your word. And bless our studies in this semester that our confidence in that word might ever grow and prosper and be more profound. Hear us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2008, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.